back to the Value Driven Investor Podcast, where we forge value-driven investors on a mission to live life on their terms. No matter where you have come from or where you are going, becoming a value-driven investor is in all our best interests because becoming financially free allows us to focus on what matters most, fulfilling our purpose. Our community of value-driven investors is committed to showing you the way. With the support of this community, you are sure to reach your goals. For all of us in the value-driven investor community, there is no greater gift than the gift of giving because together, anything is possible. We're back on another Value Driven Investor podcast episode today. And I think today is gonna be one of those episodes that just hits a nerve. And the reason why is it's a topic that so many people have been asking me about in the real estate world. But reality is, I don't have a ton of experience. Well, what is that topic? Vacation rentals, short-term rentals. Some people call it Airbnb. Other people call it Verbo, which is vacationrentalbyowner.com. There's a whole bunch of different acronyms and different statements or whatever you want to call it that people call vacation rentals or short-term rentals, which is what we're going to talk about today because Bob and I were talking, you know what? We got to give our audience something that they can execute on right now. Something that they can say, you know what? I understand how to do real estate investing because I do this. And the thing that we realized was gonna be the quickest, the easiest way to make a buck as a real estate investor is short-term rentals, vacation rentals, Airbnb, vacation rental by owner, whatever you wanna call it, that is the kicker. And we're excited to tell you guys some strategies and some things that Bob is actually executing on right now today. Grando, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Just got off from 48 hours at the fire department. Slept for three hours each night, maybe. Uh, but I'm feeling good. You look good, <laughs> Actually, man. You always my, uh, look good. You might only have two hours of sleep, but you always look yeah. good. My whoop says that I got decent sleep. I was like, how could I get decent sleep? Or it says I'm recovered well, but it's like, how could that be if I've only slept for like three hours? But apparently I slept hard when I slept for well, three hours. Well, you're a hours, machine, so. man. You're just a machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My body just learns. He's going to go regardless. You better just give him give him the rest that he needs. <laughs> All right, so no. I'm gonna kick it off, Grando. I'm gonna tell my story of having a vacation rental property, which was several yeah. years back, gosh, I think it was probably eight years ago, at least. Wow. Um, eight years back, when it was you're just kind of a new thing that came out. But then after that, man, you're gonna kind of take the reins today because you are the Wiley veteran. Uh, you and Shelly and, and your brother Ricky are kind of the Wiley veterans um, compared to me. Uh, when it comes to the short-term rentals, vacation rentals, Airbnb, whatever you wanna call it. Um, so here's what my story was. I was flipping houses, like I've told you guys a million times, uh, buying bank property, and I actually was able to grab a bank-owned property in my honey hole, which was South Minneapolis, and this neighborhood was called the Lynnhurst neighborhood. Rarely, when I was buying bank-owned property, was I able to find good deals or great deals in this awesome location of South Minneapolis, Southwest Minneapolis, to be technical. So when this deal popped up, my partner and I at the time, we jumped on it. 
because we knew it was great. The one thing I didn't like about it, it was on a little bit of a busier street, not a super busy street, but it was a main artery through the neighborhoods. Um, and in South Minneapolis, everything runs uh, north and south, east and west. It's a big grid. And this was one of the main arteries in to get in or through the Southwest Minneapolis neighborhood. Um, and I was like, ah, you know, okay, whatever. But the price was so good that we had to grab it. And it was actually a, um, what was it, a HUD? I think it was a HUD property. Um, so we were buying it from HUD. We nice. stole this property. It's one of the best stories. I'll have to tell it down the road. But yeah. we stole the property so bad that the listing agent literally called us both up and said, how in the hell did you know that they would say yes to that price? <laughs> and it was awesome because the listing agent's like, man, I wish I would have bought that sucker. But anyways, we got it at such a great price and we knew the location was fantastic. When you've been hearing about this thing called vacation rental uh, or short-term rentals or whatever you want to call it, Airbnb. I actually never heard about Airbnb back then. It was more of this thing called vacation rental by owner, verbo.com. Yeah, That's what right. I ha was first introduced to. And I had actually rented a Verbo, and I was like, you know what, this is, I like this thing, but we live in Minneapolis. Like who's gonna rent, a, like have a vacation rental in Minneapolis? Like this, is this really even gonna work? And my uh, partner at the time, Jason, was just like, you know what, man, let's just give it a shot. Like we got this so well, and we had all this staging furniture, and we're like, you know what, instead of like paying for storage, let's just like try to do this vacation rental by owner. And we had our design team, and he's like, we'll just hire a design team, and we'll take the staging furniture, and we'll design out the house like we're gonna flip it, but then we'll put this furniture in there, and let's just see what happens. And I was like, okay, but what about the management? Like, who's gonna take care of the management and the cleaning? And like, what about the accounting? And like, what about like collections? And what about reservations? And what about, and what about, and what about, and what about, and what about? And he's like, well, gosh, man, you're overthinking it. And that was always his <laughs> philosophy. He's like, yeah. you're always overthinking it, Murph. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I like to dot my I's and cross my T's. That's why my name's Tim, right? And <laughs> he was like, dude, just quit overthinking it. Let's just give it a shot. And I was like, you know what? That's why I love you, man. Let's just give it a shot and, and we'll learn. And we'll learn something. And he goes, yeah, so you and your wife are really good at all that, that system stuff. So why don't you just kind of manage that and I'll just do whatever you tell me. I'm like, oh, oh, that's how it's going to yeah. work. Okay, I get it. I get it. And he's right. I mean, I was the numbers guy. I was a systems guy. I was the, you know, I'm, I was a good business guy. He was a hell of a good sales guy and a hell of a good, you know, bird dog when it came to finding properties. I mean, the guy was amazing. And that's why we made a great team. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah. okay, you know what? Fine. We'll do it. We'll do it. Well, we put that property on the market and it took longer than I thought. And it was a lot more work than I thought because you have to get it on all the websites. You have to put the marketing together, the photos together. You have to, uh, you know, figure out who's gonna be the cleaning person on the, on the job or else are you gonna clean it? Who's gonna do the laundry? There was a lot of different things that we had to figure out. We did figure it out. What was amazing is, is that after we kind of got the, the, the marketing up there, we didn't know, we, we didn't have a strategy for how to price the house when we wanted to rent it out. We just were doing this, like we were just doing this on a whim. We were just taking action and learning one step at a time. I think what we, the, one of the biggest mistakes we made was is that we priced it too high. So it took us a while and then eventually we had to bring that price down and then all of a sudden, boom, we hit a sweet spot and people started renting it. And it, it was amazing because the people that rented it, I just would have never thought would have rented it. Like, 
you know, you would think like if it's a if it's a short term rental or a vacation rental, I was like, oh well, it's just going to be somebody that's flying in that uh, you know maybe wants to enjoy the city of Minneapolis, or uh, maybe they're coming in to see family, or maybe they're maybe they're coming in and 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 like they're having a family get together. I wasn't really sure who was going to rent it. The crazy thing is. We rented that sucker out, and we had it at we had it at about 250 bucks a night. We rented that sucker out pretty consistently. We had parents coming down and renting out because they're seeing their their kids at the U of M. We had people coming down to um, go to events down in the, uh, uh, downtown Minneapolis, which has always has a ton of events. We had people. Uh, we had a, uh, a couple rented out so that they could have their uh, one was I think their groom's dinner or something, or and they could and then the, they would leave after the groom's dinner, and then the guys that came from out of town would stay there we had a bachelorette party there which was it turned out okay i was kind of nervous about that one <laughs> but it turned out okay you said yes to that yeah we had a women's group that met there multiple times where all they wanted to do is just have the house to meet and then they would break off into these rooms because the the place could sleep 12 so i mean it was a wow. big one and a half a story house. yeah it was a pretty good size and we had a bunch of beds in there and whatever um so we had all these different people using it after a year, and we said, hey, we're gonna give the sucker a year, and then we're gonna reevaluate. After a year, we sat down, my wife, who is just amazing at running the numbers, had spreadsheets and everything broken down, and it basically came down to, hey, you guys, you know how awesome that deal was? I said, well, how awesome was it? Because it seemed like, man, it was always full, and we were excited about it, and like, you know, people always wanted it, and I think we're all set up, and next year, it's, you know, we're gonna kill it. She's like, you guys, we actually didn't make any money. You know, like we actually probably maybe lost some money because there's probably some things that we did that we didn't really totally calculate, like maybe on the laundry or maybe on the cleaning or maybe on the miscellaneous supplies that we put into the house that, you know, I didn't totally calculate every single thing because it was all part of our staging. You know, she's like, right. ah, guys, it's not like we're making a ton of money here. And we we look back and my partner and I look at each other and like, God, we could sell this and make it killing do we really want to do this and like kind of make nickels and dimes and try to figure this out? Or do we just want to sell it and make our killing and just move on? And reality was, is that we ended up selling it because we bought this property so right and we were going to make so much money on the flip. It was like, you know, a good try, but like, let's move on, do something else. This isn't our thing. I can tell you this, when I walked away from it, I was, I was left with an itch. I was like, I really like this though. Like I really can see an opportunity in it but I just didn't execute it well enough or for long enough to figure out the science of it. Did it work? I would tell you for me, it didn't work that great, but is it worth looking into? Hell yes. And I've been looking into it ever since. I have not executed another vacation rental uh, property or short-term uh, short rental property, but I've been always thinking about how can I do it and how can I do it better? And today, Bob Grand is going to walk us through the introduction to vacation rentals, short-term rentals, Airbnb, or vacationrentalbyowner.com. He's gonna walk us through it. So Grando, take it from here, let's get this party started, and tell us like, from a 30,000 foot view, what is it like and what do I need to think about when I want to do a short-term rental? What is it like? What do you need to think about when you do want to do a short-term rental? It's a really good question. You know, so my experience with them um, has been, I guess, the opposite of yours. Like, and I think I was listening to you sit there and talk. Um, 
And I was thinking about eight years ago when you're doing it, it was such, like I would say that thing was just starting to crawl. VRBOs have always been there, right? When you go to Florida, you go to Hawaii or any of those places, you you know, me personally, I've always rented them doing that. I'd never stay at a hotel when I go to Hawaii, I was rented a condo and that was through VRBO. That was the only way I knew how to do it. And I learned about that long, long time ago from my aunt who owned a condo there. So it's just kind of like, oh, she's like, yeah, it's on VRBO, whatever. You can book it there and right. do that. So I was like, oh, okay. So just thinking about that, you know, Airbnb came along um, and pretty much opened up the market, right? Kind of grew it, you know, and, and then it even blew up for VRBO. And now there's just like you said, it's, it's vacation rentals or short-term rentals because there's so many other sites, so many other Expedia even allows you to like have them on there. Well, there's so, so many strategies crazy. now. It's like everybody's yeah. got this little niche strategy. It's just branched off into so many different opportunities. Yeah, so why, you know, it's like, to me, um, it's it's a great market that, um, it's it, that it's that's in its infancy still. You know, real estate investing has been around forever. So the latest thing in real estate investing, the biggest twist, you know, has come out in the last few years is house hacking, short-term rentals, vacation rentals, you know, all that stuff. So that's like the next thing that's really growing. And they're actually, it's really taking a giant slice out of the hotel market. So you see in like these communities where they're trying to push regulation, they're getting so many Airbnbs that it's crunching the hotel market. Why is that an issue? It's a big issue because the, the, the local cities get lodging tax off that. Now they're starting to force Airbnbs and everybody to pay lodging tax, which totally makes sense. It should be, but it should be a, a market where you have to do that and you know still allow for competition and everything like that. So why? Um, well, Grant, one of the things that I think is really interesting that you've brought up is that, and this has really gotten me thinking more and more because yeah, I, I'm not, yeah, I don't like, sure, would I like to have a second home and would I like to turn it into Airbnb so basically I could either make money or even break even on a second home? Yeah, that's what's probably in my head and planted in my brain right now. But do mm -hmm. I want to own a bunch of air, vacation rental by owners? No, because I'd rather focus on, on things that I'm doing. But every time yeah. I talk to you, you're always so stoked about this. But one of the things that you mentioned that I think is really important when you're thinking through like, is this worth it or not, is like, considering a short-term rental as a hybrid approach to real estate investing. I think that's something that you've, you've mentioned to me and I'm like, whoa, that's cool. So like maybe we start with, with that and then yeah. also maybe transition into one of the other things you said is like, and I think that's where our audience is gonna get the biggest value is like you and Shelly literally uh, Airbnb, your personal house. So like, yeah. I, talk about those two things and how they kind of interconnect. Yeah, well, I consider it a hybrid approach because it is real estate investing. You do get passive income from it, but there's an active aspect to it. Is it as active as you going out there and working a nine to five job? No. And my best advice for people who go out and want to get out of their job is to say, you know, how can you do this? Well, if you own your house, or even maybe even if you rent your house, because there's a way to do that, you can, Airbnb it out and replace your income. Maybe you don't replace all of it, but maybe you replace enough of it to go back to part-time. Maybe then you optimize it over time, get your bookings up, get it up to 80 or 90% occupancy, that it pays you enough to leave there and then pays you enough to go rent another place or go buy another house to actually live in. So that to me, like when I was sitting there and we were talking about what's the best way for people to get started, I was like, I think it's short-term rentals because it's such a growing market so many people really want to do it that that you can really get there and just start figure it out 
house hack your way right into it and then move into the next one. So right, I got, you know, this yeah. house hacking term, I guess, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm too old, but what, it, when you You're say house school. hacking, like what exactly, like, how do you define house hacking? Cause I, I well, feel like people use it yeah. as just this broad stroke, but like, how do you define that? Right. So house hacking to me is like anybody that takes like a single family residence duplex or anything. And to me for house hacking, it's typically you own it as your primary residence. And I could be wrong, but um, that's kind of my feeling is you own it as your primary residence. You live in it. You maybe rent out bedrooms. You may be short term rent it. You live in one half of the duplex. You rent out the other half to cover your payments. So that way you're mortgage free, which frees up your, your cash for other things to invest. So that to me is what house hacking is. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and there's a lot of different ways. Cause I'm, I'm like you, I focus on one niche right now and, and Airbnb is just kind of a, one of the parts. Um, but you know, I don't really house hack. Well, I do house hack actually. I do house hack my own house. I was gonna to say, man, that. you're always so I doing I that. A, I am a damn house hacker. Okay, <laughs> you so, are uh, a hacker. Yeah, so here's a, good, here's a good example. So, you know, we bought a really nice spyglass house um, a few years ago. We fixed it up. Um, the mortgage payment, we were, we were just married and we had the money, right, to, to take care of it. But Shelly um, ended up selling one of her other houses that she had as an Airbnb. And she got into that um, back in like 2015. She's like, hey, I'm gonna try this Airbnb thing. I was like, okay, whatever you wanna do. You know, I was like, yeah, it sounds like it could be. I was like, would that even work in Eugene, Oregon? And she just starts crushing it and then like covered, uh, you know, all of her payments. And she was kind of living with me, not really living there. So it was like when we were getting together. Um, so she covered all of her expenses on it and made like an extra $30,000. And I was like, wow. this is crazy. Like you covered, and I was like, break these numbers down for me. I was like, she's like, okay, my out of pockets, you know, were, you know, and she, it was a smaller mortgage. She goes, my out of pockets were like everything, including uh, utilities, you know, internet, all this stuff was about 29,000 a year. And I grossed, I don't know, let's just say, you know, 55,000 a year. And then boom, I made like 30, $32,000 off. Of it. And I was like, that is a lot of money to pull out of one property. You know, I was like, Hmm, that's crazy. I go, cause a single family home, you know, right now in our market, if you buy it, maybe you're going to probably net a hundred, 150 bucks a month. If you rent it, I was like, you can net 2,500, $3,000 a month yeah. from one of these things. Yeah. So then, you know, we fix up our spyglass house and it's beautiful. looks awesome. Um, and she's like, Hey, what do you think about, you know, renting this out on Airbnb? I was like, this house is huge. It's 3,300 square feet. I'm like, who's going to rent this house that's right. coming to Eugene, Oregon. Who's going to rent this place. And she's like, I think it'll work. She goes, I really think it'll work. Uh, I was like, okay. I go, I'll only do it if we can get at least $750 per night. I go, I will be willing to leave my house and go do something else if I'm paid $750 a night. And I think that's one important thing to realize when you are kind of house hacking and saying like, what is that cost that would get you up and moving and get you out of your house to allow somebody to come in and rent it? Well, and, and I we can tell be, you this, Bob, my wife doesn't matter how much money somebody gives us, she would never do that. Like that's part of the strategy too. It's <laughs> like sleeping in her bed. Yeah, it's like, well, do I want to have a happy wife and a happy life or do I want to make yeah. a couple extra bucks? And that's part of the thing too, where I admire that you guys are both like, and I got younger kids too, and your kids, yeah. uh, you know, your kids are a little bit older. They're I think older, that's part right. of the thing too. Maybe in the future I would do that. But yeah. that's part of the also thinking like is, a short-term rental property the right strategy for me? Is this house hacking thing the right strategy for me? Now, I would say this, if you are in, 
If you are trying to make a transition from a W-2 job and you're trying to find yeah. additional revenue streams and you're willing to make the sacrifice of whatever it takes to get out of this W-2 world and create this true life on your terms and using as many different income streams as you can to create that life on your terms, the short-term sacrifice for the longer-term gain, I think it's worth it. But everybody has to be on the same page. Like, you know, Bob and Shelly, they're on the same page. And and Bob, I think he nailed it. Like, Bob doesn't love leaving his house, but Bob will leave his house and be inconvenienced at a price. Yeah, I, I, dude, that is exactly it. Like, when you say we're on the same page, I'll say this, that is Shelly's form of investing that she freaking loves. Do I love it as much as her? No, not at all. Like I like the other form of investing that I do with my brother, flipping houses, doing all this stuff. I don't like the inconvenience. That's why I set the price to it. And that's why we agreed on to be able to make it happen. Um, the sad news is, is she's been able to get those prices every single time, including <laughs> on our one house up to $1,500 per night and just these crazy amounts. So, you know, our, our other house that we had to move back into when we sold that, she's got that thing so booked out. I feel like half the time that I'm homeless and I complain about it all the time to my brother <laughs> because, and we keep increasing the rates, I think, and people keep booking it. Like we put it's our crazy. little tiny bungalow house to $400 per night. I'm like 400 bucks per night. I'll leave on that one. No problem. She's like, it booked out for this weekend here. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> really? And it's a beautiful house and it's got amazing reviews, but it's like, you know, I'm just like, what is the price here, people, that you will not pay so I can stay in my house so I can focus on some other stuff? But it, it is good, and I, I do love it, and it does generate a lot of money, but it does come with those issues. And that's why I say if you're starting out as a real estate investor and you want to figure out how to make some money quick or you need to get out of a job so you can focus more on it, and you're willing to make that sacrifice, just like you said, and your partner's on the same page with you, uh, is probably the, the, the last point there, then it's probably really, really worth it and can be very advantageous. Well, let's move on to this because I think cool. the big thing that we want to bring value for our audience, the big, big way we want to bring value to our audience is how do I even start thinking about this? Like, how do I even start thinking about, you know, should I you know, house hack my house and turn it into a vacation rental or short term rental? Should I go yeah. out if I have the funds and, and, you know, buy a property and turn it into a vacation rental? What I mean, how do I even start thinking through this? And what questions should I be asking myself to make sure that, you know, and this is the big thing that I, I, I go through for myself when I'm thinking about buying a second home and then turning it into a vacation rental. It's like, I don't want to lie to myself because I want that second home so bad that it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but yet I don't want to convince myself that it's going to suck because my first experience wasn't amazing. So like I'm having this battle in my head of like be yeah. true to yourself, but yet don't sell the opportunity short. Like work, work through right. that with me. Yeah. So, I mean, so I get what you're saying. Not all locations are probably great for an Airbnb. If you live out in the middle of nowhere in the desert and you love living out in the desert, you have to ask yourself this question is who's coming to visit the desert, right? So if you're in a town of 500 people and you think you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year house hacking on Airbnb, you better have some amazing like retreat property where people are going to venture out there out in the middle of nowhere and find it. But well, let's talk ask, about like, Eugene though. I it? mean, honestly, let's talk yeah. about Eugene because I think you nailed it. Right. Like 
you were like, oh my gosh, nobody's paying 400 a night for this bungalow house. Like, there's no way. Nobody's going to pay for a 3,300 square foot house. What are you seeing? Because, I mean, Eugene isn't yeah. the first thing I, I wouldn't put a pin on my map and say, oh, I'm going to Eugene this year. God, like, I love Eugene, Oregon. So what Eugene, Oregon has going for it. Um, so, you know, the location is one of the second biggest cities in Oregon, but it only has about 300,000 people here, right? So it wouldn't be a population base that people would travel for. It's not one of those great outdoor things. It has the University of Oregon. So for me, that's one of the main draws to Eugene uh, is the college. Yep. So the college has a lot of stuff going for it, right? It's one of the biggest, it's, it's probably, it's the biggest college in Oregon. Uh, it's the University of Oregon Ducks. So we have uh, the, the Ducks football games. Uh, Autzen Stadium houses 50... 5,000 people roughly. We have Matt Knight Arena, uh, which is the basketball stadium, houses like six to 8,000 people. How many students go there? Um, uh, I think about 30,000 students go there. So proximity is key in an Airbnb, right? Proximity to attractions, proximity to colleges. Uh, and I, we're even like, when we've been chatting about is uh, uh, another kicker and there's like transient populations with military bases. So, and things like that, where people would be coming to visit for specific reasons. Like you would go to a college town to go watch the games, right? You would go to the beach, you know, to run an Airbnb cause it's the beach, you know, or a lake, or there's some sort of a venue or draw to that area, the outdoors, you know, things like that. Um, Bend, Oregon, where we're at is, they've had to put like, really put the clamp down on Airbnbs. You can land in certain places because everything in that town would be an Airbnb because it's the great outdoors, you know, it's an amazing place for that. So not all locations are great for an Airbnb. So it might not work for you to actually house hack or, you know, do kind of that quasi approach, you know, with your Airbnb. But, you know, in, in that circumstance, you would wanna go and look and figure out is there a place near me? Is there a place, you know, that I would love to go um, that kind of matches some of that criteria? And the more of those factors you have, the better off you're going to be, right? Like if you've got a college town that also has a military base, like for example, my daughter lives in Savannah, Georgia. So when I'm there, we naturally start thinking Airbnbs. It's like, okay, so Savannah, Georgia has an amazing um, design school and it has a military base, Fort Benning, right by it. Plus it also has the additional attraction, which I think it's an attraction. The beaches on the East Coast are pretty good, but it's kind of a little bit further away, but you've got some really close proximity, you know, locations that you can actually get to. So I was like, oh, that's, those are some good factors in there that you can do and, and that you can kind of look at. So location, 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 you know, I think is probably the key there and really looking at it and see if it will work. If I'm thinking about, okay, let's do this number one. If I'm thinking about house hacking right. my house and I want to make an additional income stream and if that means that using my current home to do that, which will allow me to get to life on my terms, I'm willing to do it. So if I live anywhere, should I just give it a shot? Like, what do I have I to think lose? it's probably right? worth it. Yeah, what are you gonna lose? I mean, so say even if you, you know, rent it out 10 or 15 times a year and made your mortgage payment, what would that do to your life? You know, like what's the biggest problem people have in their life? paying that monthly mortgage payment. So if you could break even or cut that down by 50%, regardless of where you live, why wouldn't you do that? You know, put it on at a higher price. You never know who's coming to your town to do that. And what, what I'm thinking is like, I'm starting to feel like there's this generational shift, like in the marketplace, right? Where my mom and dad went to the beach, rented hotels. My generation, 
would probably consider renting a hotel, but also is a little bit more focused on like comfort and thinking if more people are together, I want to be with them. I want to be in community um, so we can be around each other. So I would be kind of a hybrid type person who's looking for maybe a hotel if if I have to do it, but I kind of want a short term rental uh, on pretty much all the time. The newer generation, they don't really even they maybe think about a hotel but they've been brought up in a culture where short-term rentals or vacation rentals are the normal thing, you know, right down to the, the ride sharing evolution, like Uber is a very normal thing for them. Like I'll catch an Uber or, you know, like I'll use Turo to rent a car online, which is like the, the car renting version of Airbnb. It's a very normal process for them. So I think generationally now there's going to be a fundamental shift and the hotel industry is feeling it. So that's why I think like, in almost any location, people will probably consider doing that. It's just a matter of how much, you know, how many people are actually coming to your Okay, location. well then I think this what? solves the problem of like, if you're gonna house hack and you really want the quickest, easiest way to become a real estate investor, and you wanna try something new and you wanna add an income stream, then you know what, house hack your house, who cares where it is, and tell us right. how it goes. Because I yeah. want someone to house hack a house in the desert and tell Bob, you know what, Bob? You didn't think I could house hack my house in the desert? <laughs> well, guess what? I just got $4,000 a month, and Bob will be like, what? I mean, yeah, I really I do. Know. I want you guys to go on our Facebook page. Yeah. If you house hack a house and tell us where it was and what you're able to pull off, because I, I think Bob nailed it. Like it's a generational thing. And I think people will rent a house just about anywhere. And why not see if they'll rent your house, if it means that you can pay yeah. your mortgage or if they will pay your mortgage for you and it will help you get to that life that you're after. Now, the next thing is, is like, okay, if you're like myself and you're looking for like a second property, like a vacation mm, property, yeah. do you think that, that it matters? Like, do you think it matters if I buy one in Arizona or if I buy one in Florida or if I buy one in California or if I buy one in Cabo or if I buy one in, you know, uh, Canada, right? Like yeah. if I buy one in Canada and I want to go skiing, you know, over in uh, British Columbia, like, right. do you think it matters like where I buy them? I'll be good. I mean, like it's a vacation place. Like, of course I'm going to make money. Well, I think so. It's the interesting thing that I've uh, seen because I've looked at like, you know, specific, like I, I love Hawaii, right? You know, I go there all the time. So um, I'm looking all the time and we're thinking like, gosh, could this be a great place for it? Do the numbers work? Um, a saturated market is, you know, one of those things means it's a competitive market, right? So then somebody might come and bring something very similar to your house on the market and try to try to crush the market and charge half the price, right? So, so there's those things. So, but you know, styling and features and amenities and the experience um, completely change that. That's why we get a really high price for our house compared to most houses where people might so just set it up matter. as a bare bones. Looks matter. The design, we know that, right? I mean, it's just like when you're selling a house, we stage everything, you stage everything. The experience is the key to that, to, to beating out that market. So, you know, my wife says, I don't care what the market is. She's like, I'll go in there and I'll crush it because I've seen everything on the market. She goes, my styling, this and that. And I agree with her. She's probably right. But the numbers show kind of like in Hawaii, like a flooded market, right? Because everything's a short-term rental there. Why wouldn't it be condos? They're all short-term rentals. So it's a huge market. And so you start breaking down the data. You're like, okay, what does a one-bedroom get me? What does a two-bedroom get me? And what's a three-bedroom get me? The interesting thing that I found out and the website I love to crunch data with is airdna.com. Yeah. It's an amazing website for crunching that, yeah. that stuff. I'll go into a market when we're staying there, just buy that market while I'm there and start breaking down the data. Um, what I found out in Hawaii is that a two-bedroom 
condo does not pay. A one bedroom pays and you can actually make some money and do a pretty good job. And, and, and it's because the cost of a one bedroom is a lot cheaper than a two bedroom. You're paying about $75,000 more for that second bedroom. But that breakover doesn't get you that much more per night. So a one bedroom and two bedroom get you about the same cost per night. The three bedroom, that thing is like double what the one and two bedroom yeah, are. So you can crazy. pay for that. So because families, obviously, it makes sense, right? Either either a couple is going to Hawaii, husband, wife, or families going to Hawaii. And if you're a family, you typically have two kids. You probably want and then maybe you have somebody else coming with you and you want maybe a three bedroom. So it, when I started running the numbers, I go, this is interesting. The fact that a two bedroom does about as good as a one bedroom, but the three bedroom does really good. But the cost of a three bedroom is also maybe you know, twice as much as the one. So you're kind of running those numbers, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, getting back to the point trying to, to, to crack that down, I think probably all locations, you know, for like vacation spots probably do really well. It just depends on how are you going to optimize it? How are you going to crush it? How are you going to design it? Which is the skills that we have and that we know, you know, as real estate agents and real estate investors, how to make something attractive to people more than just, providing them like I've, I've run an airbnb in california on the beach and like i had to go buy salt for the house and i'm just like this sucks <laughs> yeah. they charged me a sheet fee and i was like they're like do you want bedding i was like do i want bedding in an airbnb like of course i want bedding they're like yeah it's a uh, 200 and this was after i'd already rented it hey you're charging me 200 for that they're like well it's a bedding service otherwise you have to bring your own bedding i go i'm coming from oregon how am i going to pack my own bedding to california guaranteed that Never Airbnb going back there. is not making money. No. You know, it's like they're they're probably making money when the market when they're all rented out, but they're not making as much as they could. So, yeah, well, let's go on thought. to the next thing. You know, Grando, because I think we've nailed like location, location. We've nailed the house hack strategy. We've nailed the fact that if you're going to buy it as a second property, you know, you yeah. do have to dig a little bit deeper. You can't just go out and buy anything because if you're buying it as a second property, you're probably going to be in a saturated market because there, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these like Florida. Arizona, um, you know, out in Colorado, there's multiple different Vale, Beaver, right. Beaver Creek, or whatever they call it. Those ski towns. I mean, those are all probably second homes. Majority of them are probably second homes. So you have to have a strategy. And and I've actually been looking in an area for a second home, and that I want to turn into vacation rental in Cape Coral, Florida. I love that area, and that's super saturated as well. And it's funny that you brought up the one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom. Oh wait, four bedrooms? Because now all of a sudden four bedrooms is just like whoa the numbers just get they change it's like oh my gosh you can actually make money on this and i think it's also uh, economies of scale like you now all of a sudden can maybe if you have four bedrooms you can bring two families well now two families Mm -hmm. renting a place at you know call it 1500 bucks a night or even 2000 bucks a night you know it's more doable um 500 bucks a night it's like it's more doable because now you have eight people in the house it's like oh my gosh i think we can actually make this work so i'm glad you talked on that but still still i've got to be like man is is a short-term rental vacation rental airbnb vacation rental by owner.com whatever you want to call it is it what are the benefits like really what are the benefits i mean obviously additional income uh, I will own my own vacation property, so I'll be able to use it when I want to use it. Uh, but what other benefits are there? And like, what are the other drawbacks? You know, get let's get real here. Like, this isn't everything isn't roses. You know, there's right. going to be yeah. some drawbacks. There's going to be some inconveniences. I think we on the house hack, we all know the inconvenience of leaving your own property, which Bob talked about. Mm-hmm. But go over a couple of the benefits and a couple of the drawbacks, Bob, that people really need to think about. Maybe the ones that aren't so obvious. 
Right. It's a good question. So the drawbacks, uh, it is work. It's not, it's not passive income, you know, coming in. There's, there's the active component to it. And if you are not good at building systems or, you know, figuring out how to use the right websites, because there's a gazillion out there to help you kind of optimize a gazillion of them to help you optimize it. Uh, you can fail miserably, right? You can feel overrun, you can feel overworked. Um, and, and, and starting out is the hardest part, trying to figure those things out. Um, it's scary because it's, it's investing, right? So it's, and, and it's a newer industry. Uh, there's the fear factor stories you read online where people have parties at your house, have all these crazy things and stuff like that. Damage to your house. Um, could, those are all kind of drawback things that I think. What about finding um, guests? I mean, okay, everybody's like, oh, there's an app for that. Do guests just yeah. like come streaming in or is it, I no. mean, is there some strategy yeah. around this marketing that you're doing? Yeah, so there's some strategy like to start you start out with the lower uh, cost per night, right? So initially, until you start getting bookings, until you start getting reviews, you're gonna it's gonna be harder to book. And there's a lot of, um, like I said, sites that can help you get that better, make things better. How do you do that? How do you work on that? But initially, that's probably the hardest thing is getting it ready, getting it going. It's like, you can't just, you're not gonna put it on there and be like, well, I want 450 bucks per night. You might do that if you're living in the house and you're like, this is my price point. But if you're like, Hey, I really want to make this a go. You're really going to have to figure out, okay, I'm going to reduce my price here. Um, I'm going to be diligent with it. And then as I, as reviews come in, I'm going to make sure they're all positive reviews and I'm going to slowly increase my nights for that. Like my Harris house at, um, in Eugene, close to campus, it started off at like 175 a night. Now we have it at, you know, 300 a night, it'll book out all the time, wow. you know? So, uh, and, right, you, you, know, and you would say that's because of the reviews. I would say that's because of the photos, you know, the styling, the amenities in the backyard, right down to having cornhole, right down to have a, a Jenga set up. So it's a fun experience having a fire pit, having a TV outside to watch games and do stuff like that. Having a pergola, all those amenities, you know, like, like what you want in a house because it's an experience. And that's yeah, the number one thing that Shelly awesome. actually taught me. She goes, and she goes, I consider like an Airbnb, like an event, like you just like an event. I'm creating this experience for people. Like I'm, when she was doing weddings, she's like, I'm creating this amazing experience with an Airbnb. You have to think of it. Like what experience do I want this person to have when they come to my property? That's and awesome. our latest thing is we finished up our backyard and now the reviews are just like, this backyard's amazing. This is awesome. This is that. And so we're getting huge amounts, you know, of people reading it because they're going to read that and they go, it's got Jenga, it's got cornhole. Oh my God, it's got a fire pit, all this stuff. So those are like that, the things that you have to go through, like the beginning, just get people going to the fact of, okay, now I'm going raising my price i'm optimizing i'm putting money back in i'm, and I'm trying to deliver value so, like really you're delivering right. value when you give an experience exactly dude it's what so about true, okay so. i mean the other thing that i think you need to touch on is you you need to pay attention to the numbers you need mm -hmm. to track every dime you spend otherwise you could just be lying to yourself on what you're really making because that's easy yeah. because it's it, when we had our property we were we were penciling every single dime we were mm -hmm. spending and that's what's beautiful right. about my wife because she does not miss a penny but there's a lot of people that aren't good at that there's a lot of people that don't put in the work and don't aren't that detailed right. they're kind of like all over the place and they're just like ah whatever as long as the money's coming in we're good where can you get yeah. lost and confused in that whole process uh 
So segmenting out those costs, right? So I, when you, you mentioned that earlier and I wrote down, treat it as a business and that's what you have to do. So, um, and, and we put everything with our Airbnb, it's, it's all in one account, you know, one credit card, everything rolls through that. So we can track that and know that and know those exact costs. Cause it gets expensive, right? Like when you say like, oh, you know, I want to have YouTube TV. I want to have Hulu. I want to have Netflix. Um, you add all those costs, they're in there. The benefit to that is in your personal life, you get those things for free, right? Because that business or that Airbnb, which you should treat it as a business, pays for those things. So you're right. I mean, if you have a leaky boat and you're just losing money everywhere, you might not make money. You might be working for the Airbnb. Um, and, and, and that would be unfortunate if you did do that, but you have to go back and ask yourself, why is this happening? Am I treating this as a business, A? And then B, what is the experience that people are having when they come to my property. And yeah. if, if you're not doing it right, you'll find out there's a problem with one of those two things. Yeah, and I, I really, I wanna harp on this point because if you're not really paying attention to every red cent that goes through that property, comes in and goes out, you could be looking at it saying, wow, look at all this money coming in. And I kind of was looking at it that way. Like, look at all this money coming in, look at all these bookings coming in. We have to be making money but we ended yeah. up not really be ma making much money. And you don't want to fool yourself because at the end of the day, what will happen is year or two or three down the road, you'll be like, you're, you're actually dwindling your income. You're dwindling your reserves. You're taking mm -hmm. away from that life on your terms. You're taking away from that retirement that you're going after yeah. and you don't even know it. So you have to track your expenses. Uh, I, the more we talk about this, the more I'm going to harp on that because that was one of the things I really learned in my mm -hmm. experience. Bob, if I'm going to buy a vacation rental by owner, what is there different financing things that I got to worry about? Is there different insurance yeah. things I got to worry about? Because to me, that's how my brain kind of works. Like mm -hmm. there's got to be something up with like the financing. If I'm going to be renting this thing out all the time, do I have to treat it like a rental yeah. property or can I get a normal conventional mortgage as if it's an owner occupied property? You know, the insurance like, well, yeah, I got a boat here. I got a place in Cape Coral. I got a boat. Yeah, just jump on my boat and take it. No problem. Like I got a pool. Yeah, go swim <laughs> in my pool. You got kids. No problem. Yeah. Like yeah, how do how yeah. does that work? I don't think it's yeah. that easy. Yes. No, uh, there there's some challenges there. So uh, one one lesson when you know when Shelly was back and working on her first one, she called up her insurance company and she's like, "Yeah, I want to add like make sure I have coverage for like Airbnb." And they're like, "No way, no how. We don't do that. If you do that, <laughs> we'll drop you." And so I was like, "Wow." I was like, no way. And she's like, yeah. So then she figured out, you know, the platforms offer insurance, right? So when the people are staying there, they all, they offer a level of insurance with that. So there is always a complexity like that. And that was probably like 2016. Things are moving in the right direction where people, well, now you can actually have those insurance and those additional riders, you know, I guess they call that an insurance rider or something like that. Um, so they have that where you can do that and, and get that insurance. But I'm with you. Like I get gut wrenched a little bit when I think about swimming pools and boats. Like I, I don't think I would have a house, the boat and be like, yeah, I use this boat. And then like their kid takes it out and drowns or they crash it into somebody. I feel like there's a huge liability there. Um, you know, it comes down to having good business liability insurance also, which we carry a ton of that. So, uh, and thinking about that personally, but financing, that is probably one of the biggest challenges, right? So, um, you know, when you're financing something as your primary residence, obviously you get the best rates, you know? If you're financing something as an investment, what do you have to do? Put, typically put 25% down. But if you tell them you're gonna use it as short-term rental, they might not wanna finance you for that. Which is interesting to me because it makes so much more money or can potentially make 
more money than what a rental property can, but it just lets me know that, you know, the, that the market's so new and that they're not gonna trust it for another 10 years, right? For normal financing. There are a lot of alternative financing places um, that you can go to. My brother found uh, one that we're refinancing for rental properties and they actually say that they do short-term rentals. That's like a thing, but they're more of a private. So you take a higher rate, you know, with that. So that could offset your cash flow, right? So I think their rates are like four and a quarter compared to like your typical investment rate right now might be what, three and a half. If you could buy an investment property, it's not, you know, primary mortgage rates, but it's a little bit higher. And then that's even higher than that. So, yeah, you know, that's, there's some challenges there, but I think, um, as time goes on and as people see it or lenders see it and insurance companies see it as a viable market. Um, and then there are some other fail safes in there with the platforms. Um, I think that people will really start to see it another well, and I think it's all about supply and demand. I mean, if, if the people want it, they're going to give it to them. If the people yes. want insurance for, like for rental, short-term right? rental properties, the insurance companies are going to give it because if they don't, their mm -hmm. competitor will or a new competitor will, yeah. and that's not going to happen. So same with banks right. and financing. I think that the longer this is around, the more it's viable and the more there's a demand for it, then you're going to be able to find easier, simpler solutions. Bob, let's end it off with one of your best stories about your short-term <clears throat> rental property a success story because I started it off yeah. because I want people to realize started like negative. this isn't all just <laughs> roses like there is yeah. some there is some uh, sweat and there's some thinking and there's some strategy behind this and if you don't do it you know it could end up you could end up failing uh, yeah. and I would say that I kind of failed at it but Bob you've been crushing it so tell us one of your crushing stories that we can end this podcast where they're like man he did that yeah so like you know, like I said, our primary residence that I wouldn't leave, I was, you know, unless I made 750 a night, you know. Um, so it, it, last couple of years in Eugene, we have, uh, you know, um, Hayward Field, which is the now is the best track and field facility in the world. Right. So we have uh, with the Olympic trials all the time. We have um, the worlds that come like every couple of years. Um, and this is at the University uh, of Oregon. Yeah. University of Oregon. So so there's, you know, our, that house. So we had like in one month we had like $30,000 or $25,000 coming in, you know, from, uh, from all that stuff, from all that revenue. Uh, plus it was graduation. So we had graduation, college graduation. Uh, and then we had the, goes right into track and field and all this crazy stuff. So it was like going to be like a 25 or $30,000 month. Well then COVID hits of course. Right. So this is still a good story. Um, so all that stuff just gets wiped off the mat. Right. And I'm like, this is the downside to a short-term rental. But I remember you calling me and talking to me about yeah. that. I remember that. You're like, yeah. Murph, Murph, whoa, my short-term rentals are dying right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the other house, you know, it's like all that got wiped out, but it wasn't that big of a deal because we, we can make it work with that one. So I was like, so there was that big boom right in the market. But then I was like, what's, how's this going to shake out? You know, what's going to happen? Is this the end of short-term rentals? That's what everybody's thinking. Like this market could be dead. Airbnb is bleeding cash. Everybody's bleeding cash. They're like, it could, it's, the sky is falling. Um, then all of a sudden that was like March. And so all my March, April, May, June, July stuff's gone. Right. So then, um, I think people just start getting restless, you know, and, um, uh, then the house just starts booking out immediately again. We're like, Whoa, we're getting a booking. We're getting a booking at these higher rates, even higher than like people are like, Hey, I need to get out of my house. Can I rent your house? Uh, for, for two weeks I can work from anywhere. I was like, 
whoa, this remote working thing is starting to really pop off here. And then like, as somebody else like, I've got a week, what's your internet speed at your house? I need to be able to work remotely. I got to get my family out of where we're at. We got to get somewhere else so we can still work. And I was just like, all this starts happening. So it goes from, you know, where we had nothing, right? Where we thought we were going to get like $30,000 a month. I'm like, this is the most amazing thing to zero to then it comes back and we get like, $20,000. But the best thing ever about this one was uh, one night we're sitting there eating dinner and Shelly's like, Hey, um, we just got a booking request from somebody. And I was like, no, 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 no. Cause this is for your personal house, right? Yeah. This is for our personal house. Like we got a booking request and uh, uh, his name's Deandre and he wants to, he's, he's flying in and he wants to be able to rent the house tonight. I was like, we're eating dinner. Like, and she's like, (laughs) Then I was like sitting there thinking, I go, who would fly in, you know, Eugene, Oregon. And she said, he goes, he's coming for like health rehab or rehab. And there's, you know, the U of O complex and all that stuff. I was like, huh? I go, DeAndre, DeAndre. I was like, okay. I go, let me see that phone. Cause you can see this little tiny picture. I'm so I'm looking there with like glasses, like oh, who that looks, I think I know that person. And I go, I think that could be DeAndre Hopkins. The, 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 I would say he's probably one of the number one, two or three, wide receivers in the NFL. And I was like, and he just got moved uh, from the Texans to Arizona, which is that Jersey right behind me right there. If you've seen that, but I've got the Jersey behind me. Um, So DeAndre Hopkins. um, So I tell her, I go, Hey, just go ahead and press the button. I go, if it's DeAndre Hopkins flying in, I go, I will leave my house. She's like, Oh, you'll leave your house because some professional athletes rolling into town. I go, he's paying me the price and he's a professional athlete. I'm guaranteed I'll leave the house. I'll clean this thing myself tonight and make this thing happen for him. And so she pressed the thing and it comes back. He accepted, he's like, it's DeAndre Hopkins. I'm coming into town for this and this and this. And I was just like, are you kidding me? DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> is gonna awesome. now stay in my house. I'm like, what is he doing in Eugene, Oregon? Restlessness, you know, he's just like wanting to get away. He comes, stays at the house. He's only gonna be there three days. So I was like, no big deal. It's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday type thing. I was like, that's no big deal. Um, so then he ends up, you know, saying, hey, can I extend? And we're like, we're, we're out in our travel trailer up at the lake, you know, it's July by the, or late, late June, early July. So we're at the travel trailer. Like, yeah, we just stay up here a couple more days. We're sitting lakeside. Like, I'm like, in fact, invite him up to the lake. <laughs> she's like, we're not doing that. I'm like, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Please invite him to the lake. And so she's like, no. And so I was like, okay. Uh, then he texts back and he's like, Hey, um, I lost your house key. Cause that house, we just had a keypad, you know, where you've done it and open the keys. Like I lost your house key. It's like, I promise I'll replace the locks. This, whatever it is. And, and then uh, Shelly's like, well, my husband's pretty handy. We can take care of the house keys. Like, but would you do him a favor? Would you sign, you know, a couple of footballs and a couple of jerseys for him? We'll just drop him at the front door. And he's like, yeah, no problem, you know? And so, so the best part about it is with an Airbnb is you never know who you're gonna get, I guess is my point. And we created an amazing experience to where he got to our house, stayed there and then kept extending. He extended for three more nights. Uh, we made great money um and then we had a you know a professional football player saying there i got two signed jerseys two footballs i gave a jersey and a football to my brother we're both big football fans yeah, so it cool. was just a really cool experience so does that stuff happen all the time no but it can happen yeah. you know can you lose money in an airbnb yes market considered things can happen in the market but there's always something else that can make you money um, it's just being willing to do that and being willing to be open to figuring it out and strategizing. So that's kind of the cool thing. That's my cool story about it. And I tell people that story all the time and it blows people's minds. Like 
the professional football player came and stayed at my house. It was just one guy staying at a 3,300 square foot house. Yeah. It's like, that's great. I don't know why you need that house. But, because he can, you know, man. So. Because he can. <laughs> I know, right? Because like, he can, you know, and pay that price. And, and he flew in on a private jet. And I was like, because I, I looked, and he was like, yep. I go, there's a jet coming from Colorado to Eugene, Oregon. It's a private jet. That's definitely his. I looked up the tail. I was like, that's a net jet. He's using net jets to get here. I was like, makes total sense. That's cool, man. That's that a great like, story. No way. So, that's a great yeah, story, Grando. Cool. And you know what? I think uh, that's a great place to end on this introduction to Airbnbs, short-term rentals, vacation rentals. Uh, if you want to know more, I think we're going to keep talking about this topic because there's a lot to learn and it's not as easy as you think. And I think uh, we can go deeper in it. So we'll catch you on the next episode of the Value Driven Investor podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Investor podcast, where we lead by giving. For more information about our community and what's new, visit valuedriveninvestor.com. The Value Driven Investor Podcast was produced by Digital Legend Media in Minneapolis. Build your legend, digitallegendmedia.com.